Would you not? Would you not stop whinging and support the club? We are the club. The club is us. It's me. It's you. That's who I'm supporting. Like, that's who I'm trying to protect by getting rid of the rain's full who's ruining my weekends. What do people think Aston Villa is? Like the two billionaires and an executive management board? It's us. It's the history. It's the whole thing. The fucking bricks stealing people. It's it's waking up every Saturday overcome with a sense of dread. It's not some plonker in a suit who thinks Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings truly are the future. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. We got a great quote before Chelsea came to town. We got a rabble-rousing, inspiring quote from our manager, Stephen Gerrard. He said, Chelsea should be competing for the league. They should be competing for the Champions League. And they should be coming to Villa Park and wiping the floor with us. <laughs> I think, by those metrics, this was a, a, a good success for Stephen Gerrard at Villa Park on Sunday afternoon that we put on a good half. A good performance in the first half against them. He was trying to slip on the defence that it was the first 60 minutes. It was the first 45 minutes. We were very good for 45 minutes. And then we did nothing, really, in the second 45 minutes. Is that a fair summation of, of today's game? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was it was almost a very good performance in the first half, with one glaringly obvious exception. A few dodgy finishes and not being sharp enough once or twice. And then just didn't turn up in the second half at all. I mean, the players the players probably hit a wall because that was the first time they put in a decent shift in months. And it <laughs> obviously caught their fucking legs by surprise. And they just never came out for the second half. I mean, Gerard's lunacy came out, though. I mean, we, we never get away from that for too long. And then on the other side, Potter sorted out some of the bonkers decision he had made as well. Not brilliantly either, though. Like, I think most people watching that game might need a bit of corrective surgery to try and sort out the wrinkles in their foreheads. I mean, there were so many eyebrow-raising decisions by both managers. So you probably come away from that game against Chelsea thinking two big mistakes and a handful of chances missed. But, you know, let's be honest, the biggest thing that was missed was the opportunity to take advantage of the disarray that was going on in Potter's head. And of course it was missed, though, as well. It was also missed by Christian Perslow as well, who looked like... Looked like he was falling asleep. Who could really blame him? But he needs to literally open his eyes and see what's happening or not happening on that pitch so that he can figuratively open his eyes as well. Come out of the fucking psychosis he's in and get us, get us out of us fucking drifting into a coma as well. But yeah, at the end of it, you probably do come away thinking we've missed a boat. We've all already obviously collectively caught the fucking ferry to Hades together, but we probably should have won tonight. <laughs> yeah. Selective eyesight from Christian Perslow, that's what I would call it about his best mate down the sideline. <laughs> um, yeah, would do nobody any favors for their relationship anyway if he did open the eyes and see what was happening. But what was happening was, was yeah, like, like we say, it was, it was a good, heartening first half. You sort of almost expected it now. This is what we do. We raise our game a little bit against better teams when there's no real pressure on us and we allow ourselves to lean in to the blood and thunder type of thing but that that that's not just crashing in the tackles that's actually just pushing the ball and telling boys to chase after it and telling boys to get into the box when we cross it in and things become a bit more simplistic and uh, 
the job for everybody becomes way more simple as well when we're playing these better teams. But we'll talk about some of the chances that we had and you'll see the pattern. I think I've got one half chance in the second half that probably shouldn't even be there, but I felt like I should write it down, really. They were all in the first half, but we had those chances and Chelsea probably... Probably Chelsea should have been down to 10 men as well. Let's get real. I mean, Ben Chilwell, how he avoided a red card there. It's unbelievable. Like it, So it's a great turn by Bailey, who was really in the groove in this game. Talk about him coming off maybe a bit later. <laughs> and he uh, bursts away. Ramsey, like, Ramsey goes through, but the, the pass... The pass sells him a little short, the pass from Bailey. So Ramsey has to sort of check his run, get onto this short pass from Bailey. It's still not short enough for Ben Chilwell to make up any ground. Um, so he he just lunges, plows, fucking studs up, bang, straight into the ankle of Jacob Ramsey. And we're talking five meters away from the ball here as well. It has serious force. It's fucking dangerous. It's reckless. It's shite. And, you know, I think we were all wondering what the hell is going on here? Surely this is being looked at. And then... We heard the five words that makes everybody understand what's happening. Stuart Atwell is on VAR. <laughs> yeah, let, let's be honest. It would probably it probably worked out better for us. We were probably better off having Chilwell being left on the pitch because Chelsea were being lulled into thinking they had a left back on the pitch. I mean, <laughs> this guy has a career because he's English and has floppy hair. I mean, it's... It's an absolutely horrendous decision by the referees. And this is the weird thing. Having Stuart Atwell as the VAR is so daft. I mean, I, I can scarcely believe it. Like Stuart Atwell is the reason we have VAR. Like if, if Stuart Atwell knew how to referee a game of football without brilliant footballers being at risk of having their legs snapped in half by dullards like Chilwell, we wouldn't need a VAR. Like what, what did Stuart report back there? He's left the ground. His entire body is off the ground. He's out of control and caught him studs up around the ankle. But not for me. <laughs> and I don't even want to go into comparisons. I think people were jumping to the Emerson Royale sending off against Arsenal during the North London derby. It doesn't. It doesn't need any context around it. It doesn't need us talking about the lack of consistency. All we need to look at is Ben Chilwell's pathetic ridiculous tackle you're not getting that ball what the hell are you doing if that's not reckless and dangerous i don't know what is like you've got a responsibility there to a good young player to not put your studs flying into his ankle as he's sprinting in another direction cop on like a disgusting tackle anyway the two goals that eventually undone us the first one jacob ramsey takes the ball off ben chilwell not that Micah Richards seemed to realise this at half-time when he was trying to do the analysis of it. He said, Ben Chilwell gets away from Jacob Ramsey far too easily. Ben Chilwell walks around him and then Jacob Ramsey takes the ball off him and the ball goes up into the air for a free header for our centre half. And it's like Mings, because he's got a free header and he's got time and space, he he decides he wants to try and set Watkins away with an 80-yard header. I think that's the only thing I can think of what's happening here. And... We side Courtney House's 50p head. He, he never he never did it when he was clearing the ball. He never did it when he had a free header. Tyro Mings goes past the ball, seemingly with a view to maybe wind his neck back and then propel it forward. Like, we've seen him generate ridiculous force bef- before. But 
either way, like he's completely overthinking it. Either way, this ball is going to a Chelsea player. If you look at the replay from behind Tyrone Mings, all it is is John McGinn standing, not interested, looking up at Tyrone Mings heading it. There's no other Villa player within, I don't know, 60 yards of of, of receiving the ball. Nobody's in a position to do it. Mings is heading that ball, and whether it's 20 yards out, 30 yards out, whether it's to the left or the right, it's going to a Chelsea player. We have to get ready for the second ball. And he's completely overthought this, and he set up Mason Mount for a, for a nice finish, it must be said. Yeah, you're right. You're, the first thing you say is absolutely spot on. I mean, Ramsey takes the ball off Chilwell. Like, essentially, Chelsea have lost the ball. Aubameyang obviously has no interest in winning it back. This is what makes it all the more baffling. I mean, Aubameyang's just there. He's watching the game. Like, let's be honest, he's fucking retired years ago. He has the deck chair out, deck chair out sunglasses on, fucking pina colada in his hand, wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And Tyrone Mings should be wearing a fucking straight jacket. And the worst thing... I can say about that, what will we call it a header? <laughs> the, the, the worst thing I can say about the worst thing that happened in the Premier League this weekend is it's the worst thing Mings has ever done. I mean, <laughs> centre half to roll Mings has jumped under the ball by half a foot before, which is fucking mental. But do you remember Nyland tried to throw the ball to the left and he threw it to the right to Raul Jimenez? Like, that's the level that this is at. Like, how has this happened to us again in the space of three years? You can't be hitting the ball in the opposite direction to the way you try to. The opposite direction. It's fucking madness. <laughs> That's very fair. Like, we're not raising the bar too high when we're saying that. If you're trying to hit it in one <laughs> direction, at least hit it in that general vicinity. At least hit it to the left, and then we'll worry about the accuracy. <laughs> The second goal isn't much better from an Aston Villa point of view. It's a Mason Mount free kick. I mean, does Mings need to fight him? I don't know. It might be too harsh here. I'm always amazed at pro footballers' inability to not freak out in the tackle. It's it's always win the ball or fucking clean the man. They never just seem to shuffle their feet. You know, Mason Mount has knocked his three times on Mings' legs, and I feel like Mings could really just do with taking a couple of steps back and readjusting himself. But he feels like he has to go to the ground and take him off his feet and just manage the position. Keep your fucking head. Anyway, look, that, that's probably being a bit harsh on Mings or just looking at that too deeply. This sort of stuff happens all the time. But anyway, Martin, is, do you remember Alexis Sanchez's goal in the 2015 FA Cup final against Shea Given? Mm-hmm. And it, like, it, I, like that, that still annoys me to this day. People talk about an Alexis Sanchez screamer. And I'm always looking at where the ball went into the fucking net. And Shea Given doing his best Jordan Pickford impression. Just flapping at this ball in the middle of his own goals. It's like he can't get up to the crossbar. I don't know what Martinez is doing there. He's trying to guess getting over to the other side. And guess what? It doesn't go to that side. It doesn't even go to the other side. It goes straight down the middle. And you've like done yourself. Like what happened to... The walls at that side, I'm at this side. And if I can get across, when it goes across, great. Yeah, like, where's he going is the, is the obvious question. The free kick, and more importantly, the wall, is a really good distance out for Emmy Martinez. He doesn't need to be guessing. Wait, the angle on the free is is got, got it that Emmy Martinez can stand in the middle of the net. Stand in the middle and react when you see it appear over the wall. Like, the old... The other thing is, why are you trying to predict where Mount is hitting a free kick that he doesn't know where it's going to go on himself? 
Like Emmy Martinez has tried to predict where the turbulence created around the ball with no spin on is going to aim for. Like the turbulence isn't aiming anywhere. Just wait, Martinez. It's fucking madness. Stand in the middle of your goal, catch that ball, and shout out cherries. It's fucking <laughs> pathetic for Martinez, who, if we're being honest, he isn't on it as much anymore. I, I know you're won over by him talking about having a checklist in his locker. But you have to fucking remember, he's being interviewed by Ben Foster when he was talking about that. Of course he came off well. Of course he seemed meticulous. Of course he seemed like a top keeper still. Oh, what's with the unprovoked attack of the Fozcast? <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that there. Like there the there are the two goals that undone us in the end. Two, two mistakes, it must be said, in, in fairness to Steven Gerrard, as much pressure as he's under. Two Aston Villa mistakes, really. Um, and we had a few chances, which we will talk about. But first, we're going to talk about WhatsApp winges. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Only one fine this week. Ollie Watkins, our striker, taking a shot that ends up going out for a throw-in <laughs> just as much as a fullback needs to keep his crosses from going out for a goal kick a striker really wants his shots at least going out for a goal kick he can't be going out <laughs> can't be going out for a throw-in at the other side of the pitch he drives in from the left you know you often see Ollie Watkins doing this he, he's got that great touch where geez, it looks like he's putting it too far ahead but he just he goes at it with such power gets there before anybody else and then he fucking slices that bad boy seven yards across the pitch and he's he can't help but laugh but i do feel like he's very aware of the noise around ollie Watkins at the minute and they tried to take him out of it by moving him out to the left and i thought ah, like you know we'll see a bit of a bit of work rate and that's, that's a good starting place for him but I, I just don't think it really clicked for him yeah, you can't be laughing whenever you've just done that on a football pitch. I mean, you, you laugh at things that whenever luck has gone against you, whenever a goalkeeper has pulled off a miraculous save or it's hit off both posts and knocking on. You don't fucking laugh whenever you're in control of what's happened. And what's happened is only fucking amusing to Chelsea fans. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's exactly why he's being fined. The first WhatsApp wins. Can Matt Cash not wrap his foot around across now? Like, <laughs> I know he's so paranoid about this podcast now. He doesn't want to be fined a week's wages, so he's trying desperately to walk that tightrope of hitting it out for a goal kick. He's, he's, he's trying his best to, to keep his money, essentially, but he's, he's, he's pulling all these crosses. Like they cut to the edge of the box. People are making their way into the box, and Matt Cash is just pulled sharply they're just they're just not nice trajectories remember the one he played to Cameron Archer against Chelsea in the League Cup I don't see him doing that enough just wrap your foot around it let somebody come on to it in a decent position they're just being hacked inside is the best way I can say it and you know again I know you you are paranoid about that ball going out of play but it, you know it's no good somebody getting a header 18 yards out either and you have to you do have to get that balance and act like that. That's how the best players separate themselves from the average players. Like they they walk the tightrope. Remember Jerry Maguire? Like that. That's how you become great. You hang your balls out there. Matt Cash needs to be a bit braver if he's crossing. He needs to take his fucking shorts off and get his balls out. Is that what you're saying? There was one in the. There was one in the second. It's actually it happened twice where he's just running down the wing as well, and he he's lining up across without having even a cursory glance at the box and he's so determined to fucking whack this ball in the general direction of the box which is a really worrying sign for me i would much rather the person who's crossing the ball has had a fucking look to see if there's any point in across this especially if you play for steven gerrard's aston villa because there almost certainly is no fucking point in crossing the ball into the box because there's almost certainly no fucking person in there <laughs> That's unfair. In his post-match interview, Stephen Gerrard said he asked the players to get into the box. <laughs> <laughs> the second WhatsApp wins. Does Stephen Gerrard know the substitute rule? <laughs> this, this is two weeks in a row now. Like, I, I, don't, I actually don't think, obviously, we've increased the amount of substitutes you're allowed in the Premier League to five. I don't think Gerrard realises that in the second half you're only allowed to to make three blocks of substitutes, you can still make five, but they can only be done in three events. And twice now in the last two games, he's he's making subs two and three minutes apart. And, and then he's crippling himself. He probably wouldn't want to bring anybody else on anyway, but he certainly doesn't have that option anymore. And if somebody gets injured, he's ruled that option out as well. If you're going to make a sub two, three minutes later, just fucking do it in the one instance so you have... The option of more subs later in the game. I actually don't think he, he's aware of this. Yeah, can Steven Gerrard doesn't know what position we're in in the league. Like maybe he can't count. I mean, <laughs> he's he's using the fact that we were 16th last year to show that we've made progression this year. The guy's a fucking idiot. Like I'm not sure he can count to fucking three because I know he can't count to 16 anyway. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't seem to realise that um, that's exactly where we're sitting at the minute. He let me find the quote that he came out with. This, this is unbelievable stuff and really not what you want to hear from a guy who came in with all that sort of gusto and you know, basically outlining he's aware that where Dean Smith was wasn't good enough. That's why he lost his job. So he knows that he needs to move the team up the table. And how, in the space of one year, that's very quickly changed. And now he's trying to make it out to be a positive. That they're still 16th. But as he said, I took over this team in 16th. 
two points above the relegation off the back of five defeats. Five defeats. So in my eyes, I can see and feel a progression. Well, we are 16th, and this time we're only one point above the relegation. So <laughs> I don't think he... Uh, I, I, I don't think anybody's buying this level of progression. Because we're certainly not where you said we should be last year. You talked last year, which was disappointing that we eventually moved the goalposts a little bit, but you then started to hint that maybe next year, this year now, we'd be going for top 10. By fuck, we're not going for that. Yeah, like, it's insane. He took over us in 16th after five defeats in a row. Then what the fuck does he think he has a job for? Like, we, we have four wins in 21 games. They all came against teams in the relegation zone. He's had four... Four to he has had a period of four defeats and a nil all draw to save him from five defeats as well. Like I, I think he's sick. Like the, the more he speaks, he's just trolling on the evidence. He's just building up the evidence with every sentence, every interview, every team setup, in-game decisions. He's just blocking himself in brick by brick. And the amount of cries you hear, even before before this game today, like you know, talk with Mika Richards not saying he thinks he thinks he's still the right man. The amount of people you hear saying he needs to be given more time. Look at Arteta and Oi comments. Like, yeah. I'm all for giving managers time. Managers who deserve my fucking time. Like, would you not would you not stop whinging and support the club? We are the club. The club is us. It's me. It's you. That's who I'm supporting. Like that's who I'm trying to protect by getting rid of the reins full who's ruining my weekends. What do people think Aston Villa is? Like the two billionaires and an executive management board? It's us! It's the history. It's the whole thing. The fucking bricks stealing people. It's it's waking up every Saturday overcome with a sense of dread. It's not some plonker in a suit who thinks Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings truly are the future. <laughs> Let it out. Let it out. <laughs> the third WhatsApp wins. Chuck Wemmiga did well tonight, didn't he? <laughs> Too bitter. <laughs> yeah, it's too bitter as well. It just brings up all the emotion of me thinking that Stephen Gerrard didn't manage the situation particularly well either. <laughs> Even Chuck Wemmick is getting a free pass now. In this current <laughs> well, um, if you don't like that one, I don't know if you like the fourth and final WhatsApp ones. Why does Gareth Southgate think he has to wear a suit to watch a football match in Birmingham? <laughs> yeah. I can very easily imagine you sitting here as well asking me, what the fuck is Southgate doing turning up to Villa Park in a tracksuit? Throw a fucking suit on? Show some respect? Have some self-respect? I have a sneaking suspicion it's maybe the man and not the outfit you're annoyed at, pal. <laughs> That's probably fair. I just had the, I'm, I was trying to map out his day today, you know, making his way up from London on the train or being private, privately escorted, I don't know, but wearing a suit the whole way you go to a fucking football match nobody cares what you're wearing but you're probably right I absolutely care what I'm wearing that's exactly why I am now creating a talking point out of what Gareth Southgate is wearing so he's probably better to go with the default suit that we always see him in yeah that probably uh, probably tells you everything about the second half that you're there writing a fucking sitcom about Gareth Southgate's morning and getting ready to go to the match <laughs> yeah. 
yeah well let's talk about the second half and some of the tactical decisions some of the chances some of the what the fuck moments and uh, in the award categories after this you mean it's like a fucking excited dog doggy louise there's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Dougie knows what, what routine is being called. Dougie Louise. He was like a fucking excited dog. Like just, just happy to be there. McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg. Yeah. Like a good boy. Like, <laughs> that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> okay, the Rossenthal Award. I mean, this game did start well for Aston Villa, and it was impressive that even with a good start being undone by whatever Tyrone Mings was, was trying to do, <laughs> we, we reacted well and we got back on top again and it could have been so easy to fold, but they, they didn't let that happen. They kept they kept the vibrancy. I, I wonder, though, are they, it's, a, it's a bit like Stephen Kenny's Ireland. Sometimes I wonder, are they just exerting too much energy? Like, are they, are they trying to... Well, look, sorry, this is being far too kind as if this is a pattern of asking for you know, exerting so much energy and then running out of steam like they're very much not uh, energy in general. But in the type of this game, did they just like blow their load and have nothing else to bring in the second half? And as soon as Chelsea got their foot in the ball, it was game over. But it starts with Danny Ng snatching at that left-footed chance. And it was a good snatch because it just broke in the box for him. It was sort of headed and it broke down. He was sharp onto it. Save comes out. Douglas Oise volley days of the box. I, I like that he just... Just let it hit his foot, hit his instep. You know, he forced to save. Like that that's what fans want. Just force to save, especially early on. And you know, I was just thinking about John McGinn in that position. He would just fucking lace that over the crossbar, whereas Douglas Wee just lets it hit off his foot and makes Kepa push it away. The crowd are going nuts and and then that, that I suppose the best chance then came after the Mason Mount goal, but it was Leon Bailey, like this 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 Oh, like this is a big nomination anyway, but um I see Young as a little nutmeg on the left hand side and I'm crying that he, he you know he's not getting free for obstruction, but John McGinn gets it on around the byline, he lifts it across. A good ball from John McGinn. And then Bailey, I don't know what he's expecting, and he just lets it hit off his head. He's inside the six yard box there, he's got a free header, and he just lets it hit his head, and it, it still almost goes in, even though he just hit the top of his head and hits the crossbar and goes over. Yeah, just back to the doggy one. I mean, the constant refrain from this podcast is to know your players, and to be fair to doggy, he had no reason to suspect that Keppa was going to understand <laughs> he could just walk over and pick that one up. I mean, doggy on a normal day chose well in deciding to get Kepa involved in the game yeah. and thinking about what McGinn did yeah you're right he might have tried to lace it as hard as he could he also might have tried a fucking diving header yeah. 
the Bailey chance. So Jesus Christ! I mean, like that all starts off with Loftus Cheek deciding to give Ashley Young a hug, and then John McGinn all of a sudden decides to come out of retirement, and then Leon Bailey nearly put this fucking podcast into retirement. I mean, when you see, when you see things like that. It it doesn't really make you question Bailey. It makes you it makes you question your own life. Why do I support Aston Villa? Why the fuck do we do a podcast? What's the point of it all? Like, there's there's certain things in your life you should be able to rely on, and someone heading the ball into the net from six inches out used to be one of them. But <laughs> maybe I'm not thinking properly here. Maybe maybe Leon Bailey being a constant disappointment is something I can rely on. <laughs> It's so lousy on one of his better days. That's the big moment. Like, that was his big chance. And like I felt, we'll talk about it later, but when he was fucking livid coming off, I was right there with him. I was like, yeah, this is this is a strange decision. Um, Ashley Young again, lovely ball down to Ollie Watkins. Just send the boys running, make them run. Watkins gets it, he pulls it back to John again. It's a good pullback from Watkins. Shit McGinn shot, really. Um, it's just batted away. Pretty bad from Keppa. Ramsey, like Ramsey does well here. Like he buries it low and hard. Super save from Keppa. Like he's read it well. He's gotten down so quickly. His right hand strong. Ings has a lash out of his left foot. Ridiculous save at the near post from Keppa. He's just throwing his limbs around the place. And then it comes out to Douglas Ruiz. It is the box. Bit of filth. And then he just, he blazes it over now eventually. <laughs> he does a bit of lovely footwork to get it onto his left foot. And then he goes for that top right corner and he just lifts it over. But it was offside by that stage. Yeah, the Kepa makes the second, third and fourth saves of his career. It's <laughs> it, it's not it's not good. It's not good for him again. We'll assume he's going for the keep Kepa involved in the game approach there. But unfortunately, it doesn't work out and we're probably being too kind. And even though it is a brilliant save, I think Ramsey has to bury that. I mean, he does drill it pretty well, but if if he hits that anywhere near the way Jacob Ramsey can hit the ball or anywhere near a professional footballer can hit the ball, it goes in regardless of what Kepa does. Ings, it's a fucking... Again, it's an absolutely crazy save from Kepa. I mean, he throws an arm out, makes himself big, but he keeps it out. That's all he can really do. And then Dougie, you're right, it's absolutely disgusting, but ultimately pointless because it was... (laughs) A terrible finish after that and offside as well. Yeah. Fair play to you for being impartial about Jacob Ramsey. I'm, I'm impartial about everybody, Conan. If somebody fucks up, they fuck up. <laughs> John McGinn. I feel like John McGinn... <laughs> I'm looking at these now thinking, did John McGinn have a good game? <laughs> I don't think he did. But he picks Thiago Silva on the byline. It's an all Ashley Young ball who puts like who gets the ball into there, and again, like it doesn't reach the destination, but it's 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 forced Thiago Silva under the byline. It's put John McGinn that far forward. He gets it off Thiago Silva. Then he gets stunned. I don't know what it is. He he's standing over the ball. He looks at the ball. He looks up at Ings standing there, basically with an open net. He looks at the ball. He looks up at Ings, and then he just fucking whacks it with his right foot. And like, why he did not just roll that five meters to Danny Ings, I'll, I'll never know. Yeah, is doing the right thing, you know, passing the ball to the centre forward in the six yard box still the right thing if the centre forward is Danny Ings? It's, it's that imponderable question, you know, should you keep doing the right thing or is the right thing to not do it whenever <laughs> it's the wrong person on the end of it? And, I, and I'd suggest 
To be fair, I'd suggest Danny Ings being the striker is neutralized by McGinn being the lad not passing the ball, and he should obviously cut it back. So, so we just could get the fucking inevitable renaming of the Rosenthal <laughs> Award to the Ings Award over with. <laughs> it is getting very close to that. Maybe, maybe we'll leave leave it for when he when he gets signed by somebody else eventually <laughs> you know we'll maybe name it after him once he once he passes on because he's jesus he's winning this a lot and he doesn't play that often <laughs> <laughs> um danny ings takes the ball to the right uh, all the space is on the left he just he just laces it i mean cucurella is all over the place at this stage so i, w- I wouldn't have minded just seeing him going back inside and having a shot off his left and then this is the the cracker save from Keppa. I mean, Ramsey plays it to Bailey. It's a, it's a lovely ball. Just just that one inside the defender when the winger's going to the outside of him. He's forcing the gate at the other side. It's pretty shit from Kill from Chilwell because you know Bailey does shift it back on his left. I don't know what Chilwell's expecting. But um you know, Bailey turns sharply. Chilwell gets completely done. It's a great ball across from Bailey. Ings is flying through the sky, diving header, three yards out. I think he's done everything right. And Kepa has just ratted again. He's flying through the sky with him. And he's diving backwards and he manages to get it over the bar. It's a, it's a super save. Yeah, it's absolutely delicious from Bailey initially. Uh, made a lot easier by the fact that Ben Jowell was his marker. And to be fair to Ings, you're right. He doesn't, he doesn't do very much wrong and it's an absolutely ridiculous save. The previous one to that is with that this is what Danny Ings is. I mean, he decides not to run a Kukurea, then he decides not to pass to Dougie, who's in acres of space at yeah. the D. And you're thinking, all right, he's not going to pass the book or the ball. He's taking responsibility, but then he just fucking decides to pass it to Kepa's chest anyway. So what's the <laughs> point of all that? Yeah, there was another Ings header from a bad Matt Cash cross flashed over. Um, and then, like the only thing I can remember in the second half, really, was that John McGinn, the tame volley at the edge of the box, you know, deep Douglas a wee free that went in and broke out to the to the edge of the box, and McGinn keeps it down and Kepa saves it. Like that, that was it. We really didn't put them under pressure at all in that second half, which is probably disappointing after the the first half. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm missing anything there, but I think the winner for me anyway is the Leon Bailey header. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. It's it's he's he's under the bar and he gets it over it somehow. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Only two ones to pick through on the Peter Rankin and What the Fuck Award. What what did you think was worse? The Ming's header or the the, the Emmy Martinez letting in the, the Mason Mount free kick? Also Emmy Martinez had a ropey pass to Douglas Louise as well, just making sure he was awake. And Douglas Louise was awake in fairness. He he reacted quickly. He just played him very short in his own box in the middle of the box as well. I know he's got it out to Conza or Cash or somebody like that, but um, the the mount free kick and down the middle, or it's definitely Tyrone Mings, it wasn't. It? The, yeah, the, the Tyrone Mings header is just it's it's so glaring. I mean, heads the ball the wrong way that he's trying to header it. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Tyrone Mings wins the what the fuck award. You like Glenn Whelan taking ninety of minute penalty. All right, we're talking about Cucurella there, who didn't have a good game. And this is the thing, right? We know we know Cucurella is playing on the side of a back three. We've got one of the best hold-up players in the league on the side of our front three. And where do we put him? We, we, we don't put him on the side of Cucurella's at. Like he would have... Imagine he gets 
well, Ollie Watkins might have missed as well because like it's what he's been doing recently. But imagine he was on that header <laughs> that, that Bailey got, and we could have had so many more opportunities like that. Pot it up, Ollie Watkins on Cucurella. Yes, please, and not just from crosses, which we obviously love to do. From Emmy Martin is having the ball, get it out there. Just a fucking little fullback on Ollie Watkins and back into him. Let him take every single ball, and we're up the pitch. Like, what? Why were we not exploiting that at all? Yeah, like it's it's mad. Potter was a mess. I mean, the starting lineup was bonkers, and there was far too many changes being attempted in game as well in the first half. I mean, Ruben Loftus Cheek started right wing back, then Raheem Sterling. I mean, let's let's get real here. That's not gonna work. There was a midfield two that were too easy to play against. They had no shape. It was it was three versus two for counting McGinn and. Loftus Cheek and Kovacic were just pouring out of midfield, racing out to help their fullbacks, getting forward, and they made Doggy look like, look like such a fucking good boy. I mean, we we gave we gave him a few treats during the week there, and then Potter just fucking let him off the lead as well to go running around the park. Imagine Doggy was shitting all over that park, and Potter did fucking didn't fucking think to pick it up after him. But the most frustrating thing is that you're absolutely right. We had a centre forward and a winger in our front three. They had a centre half and a fullback in their back three, and we decided to match them up. We <laughs> yeah, let them Bailey off the hook. Should have went the other side. Our winger, exactly. Like we put our winger on their fullback and our centre forward on their centre back. They, they, they both got a bit of joy, but let's think bigger here. Let's think about where Chelsea might be weak and how we might exploit that. And as soon as it was Sterling and Chabala on their right, get a fucking winger over there, yeah. or or the closest approximation, which this time was Bailey. Kukurea versus Watkins, Jesus Christ! It couldn't have been crying out more for that. Like Jared was probably afraid of being brought up on an accessory to or a conspiracy to commit murder charge. Like, Ollie's a good lad; he's not going to tighten you. Put him over on Kukurea, let him fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've got two more nominations. Although the next one is is sort of two nominations in itself. Like you know, number one, why did Bailey come off? And and you know. Not only save individually, because I just thought he was, yeah, he was looking good. He was looking on it. He was looking like he was taking those boys for a ride, Cucurella and and then Kulabali. Like they they were a bit worried about him. But then not only did you bring him off, we, we just changed the shape and went to a diamond. Like what? what is, what's going on here? Like, why do we sell all the wingers? We don't need to go through that again. But why? Why? Did, <laughs> why we were doing all right. Why did he just change it to go into a diamond? Like, and then we didn't do anything after that. Well, the, the really annoying thing is that despite Gerard's best attempt to not match the right player up against the right player in the Chelsea team, which is his fucking job, we fell into it. We fell into Koulibaly versus Bailey. Yeah. And it was just there to be exchanged. It. Like, Liam Bailey is having one of his best games for Aston Villa, probably his best game up to that point. And he was up against Koulibaly and Ben Chilwell. And he gets fucking hooked. Ridiculous decision. Yeah. Last one. Why did Ramsey come off for Dundonker? <laughs> well, there's probably there's probably a bigger question. Why the fuck did we sign Dundonker? What is he? <laughs> I don't know, but I did see somebody... Asking, did we sign the Wolves Dundonker or did we sign just a less mobile, worse footballer version of him? He's just he's not doing anything, is he? 
it's, it's, it seems like it's an absolutely pointless, bonkers decision. It was like, you know, we need kind of someone in and around the midfield. Who can we get that lives within the 50-mile radius? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we've got we've, we've got the matchup, us very kindly matching Chelsea's backs up with our forwards. We've got Bailey coming off. We've got Chains and Ted Diamond. We've got Ramsey coming off. And we've got Brinkington Tucker on, so these are all little ones within them. And then we've got Graham Potter as well. Like, what's the winner? I, I, just, just because it's such a persistent problem, yeah. Like, I think we have to give it to to matching our forwards up to their defenders. It's, it's insane. I mean, going into these big games, you have to have a plan of how you're going to win, and that plan has to be centered around where you think the opposition is weak. And whenever you're playing against a team like Chelsea. That generally doesn't exist, so it's really fucking difficult for the manager. You might even just think of something really basic, like how can we get, how can we get more set pieces? How can we get the ball in the air around John Stones? You know, whatever it happens to be. But whenever <laughs> they're playing fucking Kukurea at left centre back, then you know what the fucking answer is. It's get after him. And whenever Raheem Sterling's at right wing back, the answer is get after him. And we didn't fucking do it. We didn't react to that at all. And that's just yeah. unforgivable. Because that's the fucking job description that Stephen Gerrard has. Yeah. The Vyman meter going up, Ashley Young, of fucking course, and he's not even going up. Well, do you know what? Andy Vyman's rebirth as a prolific goal scorer, I think, is fitting now because Ashley Young's not just going up in terms of attitude and giving it your all. And what a great fucking lad. You know, what a likable. Lad, he's going up because he's playing really well and he's never looking phased defensively and he's actually just been such an influential player for us in attack as well. Um, yeah, anything to, anything to add? I've got Leon Bailey going up as well. Uh, yeah, Leon Bailey's definitely going up. Ashley Young as well. You're saying you're praising his defensive work today, but you have to remember that Graham Potter spent the second half taking off every fucking attacker he had as well. Maybe Graham Potter should actually win the Glen Whelan Award. <laughs> going up. Alicia Lehman. <laughs> Agent Alicia. I mean, she's kept us right. I mean, Douglas Louise is now on board. He signed a long-term contract. Didn't get the year. We just got the long-term contract. <laughs> Eerily sketchy, those details. But um, obviously, they're going out. She's from the women's team. Douglas Louise is from the men's team. <laughs> Pictures of them from the Villa account as well at the at the announcement that he that he got the contract look I mean Douglas Louise has been hot and cold a lot of the time I'd rather keep him we talked about this in the summer and it's you know it just makes so much sense as well economically so I think the first priority was just not to lose an asset like that so easily but also yeah it can become good especially if we can get a number six how are we having the same conversation (laughs) (laughs) third season of a podcast yeah, it's insane, and and yeah, you would think that the whole reason of ripping up the last, the last uh, managerial arrangement that we had wouldn't just be to be making progression from sixteenth to sixteenth, as Stephen Gerrard seems to think is a mark of progression. <laughs> you would think as well it would be that the, the players, the managers, the executives, they all must want us to be able to talk about something fucking different in this show. So they must have been gutted whenever Kamara got injured and Douglas Louise ended up getting put back into number six. Because yeah, you're right, we know we know how good Douglas Louise can be can be in number eight. And today had that a bit more freedom to to explore the pitch, to be to be the bonkers number six he wants to be, because Chelsea <laughs> had no fucking midfield in there. It was ridiculous. 
Yeah. I mean, going down, I, 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 in the interest of not repeating ourselves over and over, and I'm not even just going to start picking out players, but I've got I've got Gerard's PR job of himself, his marketing job is is getting worse. It's just not working as well for him as he thinks. I mean, you name some stats there at the start of the show. They've they've won six games in Gerard's reign against current Premier League teams. <laughs> that, that, that's it, you know. Palace, Brighton, Leicester, Southampton, Everton, Leeds. That that's that's the teams that he's beaten. Um, obviously it's getting worse in in the recent ones we take out those first six seven games as well. It's just it's pathetic. I think they've gotten eleven points from eighteen games against teams who have are currently in the Premier League that they've played. Like that that's that's madness like it's absolutely fucking pathetic um and, and you know we sort of touched on that already but i also have gerard ignoring the fans as well week in week out I, sometimes i don't you know i'm not going to the games as much so maybe i'm just not as tuned in to that sort of formality come over clap the fans you know, even when you're being booed even when you play badly you lose a game you go over and clap them and i understand why you know, i've been to plenty of games um, you know, not just Villa games. You, you do expect to see. It. You wait around for it. Um, sometimes even just a clap for the effort or whatever. And he's just ignoring them. He's walking off. And he actually had a comment after this game where he was talking about being aware of the booze and uh, being aware of a chant from the whole end. You know, he doesn't miss any of this stuff. He says he's not stupid. Um, <laughs> and actually, I think most of the chants are coming from the Chelsea fans. So I, I would question just how stupid. Maybe he doesn't realize he is, but he said, he said um, you know, he, he's not going to be concerned about it, and um, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Every time I've spoken to you guys, I fronted up. I won't hide from the responsibility, criticism, or the noise coming from a stance today. I, I do feel like that Gerard thinks the most important thing in management is fronting up, is facing down adversity in this intangible way he just talks about having the the metal to take it on the chin like i think that's what he thinks he has to do to ride out a storm he, he can do other stuff to help you ride out that storm yeah it it is strange like people people who aren't stupid always have to clarify the fact that they aren't stupid don't they <laughs> and you're talking about like yeah, like he's standing at the front of the ship with fucking waves crashing into the ship and he's just standing there with his arms out saying, what else you got? I can fucking take it. Fucking get the sails down. Get your men into a decent ship. Fucking get the oars in. Fucking see the storm out. Don't just be standing there taking it in the face, getting blown back across the hole. What the fuck are you doing, Stephen? What the fuck am I doing? Get myself into a sailing analogy as well. That was that was true. <laughs> If we were sailing around the South Pacific, there wouldn't be a storm. (laughs) (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. We've got an audio game on Thursday night, so we might as well uh, save some content for them. Why did Jurgen Klopp's comments about City and Newcastle and PSG cause such division? I mean, even, even amongst professional sports writers you know, people who are supposed to be paid to analyze and write about football the journalists some journalists were coming out sort of very snarkily pointing out that liverpool bought darwin nunes and they bought van dyke and the fuck are you talking about like as, as if you know as if liverpool say bought darwin nunes spent all that money on him over Haaland, for example so some people like you say martin tyler's perfect example his famous quote is he only cost 50 million you know total bullshit but like this is how quickly these people swallow that stuff and i mean yeah liverpool saved up for for a little treat for themselves with van dyke and and, you know and then they've been paying for it ever since really but and this is like this was after man city went out and got john stones and went out and got laporte who was supposed to be the last piece of that jigsaw you know pep needed laporte and went out and just splurged fucking 40 odd million on nathan Aki just to have lying around and went out and got ruben diaz and went out and got a kanji and every type of fullback you could want probably six different fullbacks around the 30 to 60 million mark like it's just the sort of stuff he's doing for the crack um and 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 Jurgen Klopp came out and said he was sort of annoyed at the question as well. You know, he, he was very right to point out, you know the fucking answer to this. Like, you want the comments off me, and you know, this is going to be the headline. Now, people, they didn't say this, but now people are going to be slagging me for whinging about Man City's money. And he said, nobody can compete with Man City. We can't act like them. It's not possible. Newcastle have said there's no ceiling for that club. And he's absolutely right, the sports the sporting director. Congratulations! Some clubs have no ceilings. We do. I mean, what what was wrong with that? And how have some people so quickly lost grip of what's happening there with those three state-owned teams? Yeah, I just want to pull you up on something there. You you say uh, they only spent fifty-one million on Holland, and they're claiming that, and that's a lie. They did. They did only spend fifty-one million on Holland. They just didn't fucking tell us it was fifty-one million a year. <laughs> But like you're asking why your your pals in the media, you know, don't seem to understand this. And I'm all for normally jumping on and slagging them off, as you know, but you know, Pep still has the fucking gall to imply that he's being hard done by. Yeah. The, the fucking state of him during that game as well, after Foden had his goal rolled out because because Haaland fucked Fabinho to the ground and then galloped through and kicked the ball out of Allison's hand. And he's he's such a bizarre combination of narcissistic, paranoid, defensive. Like he's he's watching the game, he can see it happen, and he can surely just have a fucking look himself. Get a stream on the bench. Your fucking owners are loaded. Go have a look. Don't go fucking all in on this, jumping around like a narky prick. Your sugar daddies aren't in this to create an atmosphere of weird cunts. Like do you do you think they spent a hundred million quid on Jack Grealish's haircut for you to undo it all by getting getting the neutrals on City's back because you're a moaning arsehole? <laughs> 
You're so paranoid. You think the fucking atmosphere in Anfield impacted the decision making of a lad in a van two hundred miles away? <laughs> yeah, he's he's so pent up about Anfield, and that's exactly what he said afterwards. And as well, he said, "This is Anfield." You know, as if to say, "What do you expect?" He's just expecting everything to go wrong when he goes there. When they play Liverpool, when any decisions up for question? I mean, which decision could we have been looking at? We could have looked at any any old one there to rule that one out. And you know, Martin Tyler again. <laughs> I can see when you watch it a bit more closely, you can see why some Liverpool fans are so paranoid about Martin Tyler as much as Pep is paranoid about decisions going Liverpool's way. Because Martin Tyler said afterwards, you know, the Salas just scored this fucking unbelievable goal. The atmosphere is shaking in in Anfield, and Martin Tyler said. Man City have had a goal rolled out. That's the story. <laughs> not the story. They've had a goal rolled out for one of two fouls. They would have looked at any of them, any of them and rolled it out. You know, two fouls that Anthony Taylor, of course, ignored because he was just ignoring every fucking foul in that whole game. Um, but Pep is just so pent up about the Liverpool thing. It's so weird that somebody who wins so much, you know... That he just can never be happy because like that's always going to grind his gears. He's never, he's never going to let this Liverpool thing go and this Klopp thing go. And that's why then you see Klopp also then getting so worked up, you know, by Pep because obviously Pep's a fucking bollocks. And then Klopp starts going mad with the crowd and getting them going, and everybody's just running on high emotion at that stage. But you know, Pep is going to win the Champions League this year, and he's not going to forget. What it feels like on the Anfield. <laughs> but yeah, coming out and saying this is Anfield, what do you expect? I don't expect the fucking referees to make a good decision. Maybe that's what Pep Guardiola is talking about. It's fucking madness. This is the only place. This is the only place in the country where you might see a VAR given a perfectly good reason to overrule a goal. Maybe that. Maybe that's. Maybe he's got a point. Maybe there's something about Anfield that makes the referees make the fucking right call. I don't know. It couldn't be. It couldn't possibly be the fact that he's implying that he didn't think that those goals should stand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look, that's that's all it wrote. Um, our precious four-game unbeaten run has come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> One all where you can look at it now. It's a draw of ten-man leads. It's a draw of Forest, and it's another loss at home. Another loss at home. I think that's eight losses to Stephen Gerrard now overseeing at Villa Park in the league. Um. Yeah, look, we move on to Thursday. It's Fulham and Brentford next. They really are big tests. He's going to he's going to be in place for at least these games. I can imagine him being there anyway until uh, the World Cup, even if things don't change and don't progress, really. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting how these matches go because there are two sides that are going well and they can, they can pick points off you, but I don't think any of us are going to be too happy if Villa don't win them so it's going to be it's going to be all eyes on these fixtures we'll not do a podcast until thursday night um rather than coming out on thursday morning as usual so uh yeah we'll just we'll just keep a, a close eye on that one and see how it goes and we'll just bounce along and uh yeah enjoy the break i suppose in between now enjoy monday tuesday and wednesday folks and we'll see you on thursday all the best Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.